I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy, and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. Hello, so my guest today is the founder of Melt Massage for Couples. He teaches couples how to use simple, beautiful massage techniques that you can learn from home. Press play, follow along and make your partner melt. Welcome to the show, Dennis Merkus. G'day mate, how you doing? I'm very, very well, how are you? I'm well, thanks for having me on the show. No, absolute pleasure, thank you for agreeing to come on. Um, That's a lot. That was a lovely introduction. <laughs> like, you just summed me up in a couple of phrases. Perfect. And that's the end of the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a brief, int- I mean, we've had a couple of chats already and, um, and your story is fascinating. So would you like to tell the listeners uh, about yourself? Sure. I uh, am a massage therapist. I've always been a massage therapist. Well, I went to university to study acupuncture. And at the end of uh, that course, I did a little massage component. I had most of the credits done for it. I I just do a cheeky couple of weeks of learning the techniques. And then eventually just gravitated into teaching couples how to massage. Well, it all started off with I met this girl. Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> like every guy out there, just like, how do I land the girl? Um, and it was literally like, I said to her, hey, I've written this massage course for couples. Complete lies. I had not. I'm just, you know, just trying to have a go. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, do you want a massage? She's like, of course I want a massage. And so I massaged her. It went really well. We started dating uh straight after that and we just kept massaging okay so for those guys that are struggling maybe to find the girl that they want (laughs) massage techniques and just (laughs) oh i mean look the the massage is pretty hot i'll tell you that i i I agree i'm 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 sure that's uh something that uh as a as a line for to kind of to get (laughs) someone to kind of meet up with you is is a great uh is a great experience for opener Mm. so i mean so we started just fooling around with massage techniques and friends and family for years we're doing it for a little while and Mm -hmm. i was like you you know the movie ghost right Mm -hmm. that pottery scene yeah Uh, that was when i was when i was thinking how do i really woo this girl with my massage technique and how do i do it differently to what i do at work because i didn't want the massage that i do at home to be like the massage that i do at work so that pottery scene is where I came up and I started massaging that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after a couple of years, friends and family were like, why don't you teach us? You know? And so mm-hmm. I, I talked to my partner and I'm like, well, why don't we, like, if it's weird in front of, like, if it's weird teaching it to my little sister and a boyfriend, well then, you know, we shouldn't teach it to the public, but if it works well, and it did. It worked really well. And so we started teaching it to the public. And then here we are, 50,000 couples later, which Amazing. is like, it's, it's a big number, isn't it? That's, That's a massive number. How, how did so, that take off? So how did you then go from 
because again, Nothing. like you said, you told this you told this girl that you've got this program together. I guess then right, right. you had to then tell her, I actually don't have a program. We need oh, to no, write, we need to write one now in order to take it out to the world. <laughs> right. No, I did not um I did not say I didn't write one. I was just like uh I was like, this is far too erotic. We need to pare it back. Let's let me just give me some time to work on it. Um but no, I just lied through my teeth. I'm like, yeah, I wrote this. I write this perfectly. <laughs> uh, so it started off, you know, like I, I've, so by this stage, I was running uh, Melbourne's largest hotel massage company. So that was my day job. This is, and I was doing really well, right? Mm-hmm. But by this stage, I had started stealing all this work from the competition, which, like, if you come to Melbourne, Australia between 2003 and 2014, I believe, I can't, I think maybe 2016. And you stayed in, in a hotel in Melbourne and ordered a massage, it's almost guaranteed that it came through one of my staff. Right. right? Okay. So that was my main job. Yeah, and on big. the side, yeah, and yeah, it was important to me. But on the side, we we're teaching couples how to massage. And it wasn't like the beginning was like two couples. I had to ring up friends. Mm. Hey, can you come join this workshop? Because yeah. no one's showing up. Yeah. And then eventually. Uh, eight years later, like fast forward eight years and I'm teaching 150 people in one day and I go to my partner, I can't, I I don't want to work this hard. Like Mm. we need to go online. And so we decided to to hire a production company in Los Angeles and film it really beautifully, like cinematically, um, non-sexually. So, you know, like I wanted it so your children can walk into the room and not go, what's going on? This is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I looked yes. at the production of your, uh, on your website, some of the videos on there. I mean, it's, it is amazing. And like you said, it's very intimate rather than sexual. Yeah, absolutely. But, but the inter- it's interesting because the intimacy <laughs> is implied. Like we only hug. That's it. Mm. We, that's all we do that's intimate. There's just a hug. Mm. But when you look at it, you're like, I want that. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do that. And when you actually massage your partner, you can see how it can easily transition into something more if you want to be cheeky and playful or you don't have to. I mean, you can just give your partner a massage for the sake of saying, I care about you or mm-hmm. I want to relax you or, you know, I know that you're being tense and stressed this entire week. Let me give you a neck and shoulder rub, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. That sounds so, amazing. Thanks, it's thanks. good for me. Yeah. Uh, so again, you so you turn like 150 people a day, right? I mean, like, no right. wonder you were tired. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> the group. I, it's we were talking about this off um, off screen uh, earlier, just before. It was like there's something about group sessions that are amazing. There's an energy and a presence that comes when uh, a group of people come together. And I found that, uh, especially with the, the room size I was teaching, I found that 25 couples or 50 people was what the room could handle. Um, and you know, after a while, I got used to teaching that many people within a class. And then I'd run three classes in a day. So that ends up being 150 people. Um, but the energy of having 50 people in a class which is, is, is incredible. Like, uh, it gives me chills to thinking about it. The, you, you forget that there's other people in the room, mm. 
Mm-hmm. And you and your partner still find connection, mm-hmm. but then it's all playful. And you know, if someone moans, you know, there's someone that goes, "Oh, you got me right there at the, at the back of the neck." The rest of the class is like, "I'm a little bit jealous." Yeah. And people are laughing, and yeah, the energy is great in the room. Yeah, it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. I mean, well, yeah, we were saying. I mean, I'd love to do. I'm, I'm launching one of my kind of coaching programs coming up, and. Uh, for that for a group as well so I'm, I'm hoping to get the same sort of experience of getting that energy of people together and being able to kind of be buy into that kind of process and and and, and really share in that experience it's so good and like <laughs> there is uh, like I used to play uh music when I was a kid like I was a drummer in, in a few bands in mm-hmm. high school and there's a similar sort of energy when you're on stage and you're interacting with a crowd of, you know, 200 people. Mm. You just, you share, you share something. There is something that happens where you're just like, wow, this is amazing. And the same thing happened in the live workshops. Mm. I think you'll find something similar in group sessions as well. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely something I'm going to be looking into. So mm. let's, let's have a sort of delve into your sort of relationship history in your past and the importance and significance of relationships to you um how do you feel like throughout your life maybe something from childhood or as you've gone through your kind of relationship experiences how how have relationships impacted on you i think relationships are very important like i've spent uh like i was married to that person that I massaged. And we're right. not married anymore. Um, but it was a long marriage. It was 10 years and it was a good marriage. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting now. It's like there are so much that I miss about that marriage that the relationship gives. And mm. like, I, I'm a little even apprehensive of getting into a relationship because what if it's not going to be as good as what that was, you know? Yeah. It's very interesting. But I like the... Mm. I like the comfort. I like the safety. I like uh, the unity um, that someone's got my back, you know, no matter what. There's something really, really amazing. It's something that I struggled through the divorce um, of not having someone there. Like there was lots of times where I was like, wow, I'm really on my own right now. Right. You know, that's yeah. a scary, scary feeling mm-hmm. after having that. Um, after having that for such a long time. Mm. Complete you know? removal of like that safety, like you said. Yeah, but I mean, you end up, I wouldn't have it any other way now. It's like I learnt to trust myself and I still learnt to, you know, find that within myself. Mm. And, you know, now it's, now it's great. It's like, all right, I can take this. I can handle the world. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to be yeah. safe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just that initial kind of being in your space by yourself and and missing like you said something that was so special yeah it was special it was really good but i think i'm very independent as well especially you know growing up younger um i just i don't know about you but i had to get out i had to get away mm-hmm. be independent as quick as possible at 15 i remember i was like how do i how do i move out you know right. <laughs> how do i get to a big i grew up in a country town in okay. uh, in australia i'm like how do i get to the big city in melbourne mm. yeah yeah what was that like growing up in a country town uh it was interesting <laughs> especially back in the 80s um so my parents are ethnic they're from croatia Okay. And Australia in the 80s was not uh, very friendly to ethnics. Uh, it was very much Aussies against 
um, we call them wogs. Like I'm a wog, right? What, what do you guys call, say, Croats and Greeks and Italians in? Well, what, what's PC nowadays and what we would have <laughs> again back in the eighties is completely different. Uh, but right? yeah, we had a variety of different names for for different people from different countries. But I guess they're just immigrants nowadays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are. You've gone PC. Yeah. So we had. So we had um, people of the world is what I would say. (laughs) (laughs) We had uh, in the 90s, there was uh, this Greek comedian that literally broke down the uh, racial tension in Australia. Right. Um, They they were called wogs out of work. And um, it uh, just they made. It, they they brought the traditions and the feelings of what you know mainly Italians and Greeks and the food and the culture mm-hmm. and it made it cool and to the point where you know Aussies started then traveling to Europe and went oh these are amazing countries and the history is amazing and all that broke down but when I was growing up in that in that country town it was very it was tough you know I was mm. felt segregated felt picked on um the aussies like things would get thrown through our windows just because of ethnic uh, it's pretty interesting you know yeah i've had now friends from high school as adults apologize though which is amazing right mm. that's not your feeling it's just i mean the world was like that back then yeah i think it's a, it's a cult like you said a cultural thing that's what they're taught to mm-hmm. to be like you know to that there's something wrong because you're different um, yeah. And that they need to need to manage that in an abusive way, rather than a, a welcoming and understanding, trying to get to know you type way. It's that kind of general defence, isn't it? That if you're different, then you're a threat. Or yeah, that um, that's I think that's it. You're a threat. <clears throat> but here's the thing: I think it's it was so that was the country experience. Hmm. And then when I finished high school, I like the the minute high school finished. I went straight to Melbourne to a mm. big, you know, metropolitan city mm-hmm. and uh, I started university and I walk into university and literally it was segregated. Like the Croats were over there and they didn't mix with anyone else. And the right. Italians were over there and they didn't okay. mix. like the communities were so big. Mm. And I walk out into university and I feel like I'm the Australian. Like I couldn't even identify okay. with... <laughs> It was like because they they <laughs> were properly cultural. It was it was pretty amazing to see, mm. you know, to have both the balance of what it's like to be in a country, uh, country setting in a, in a metropolitan setting. But it's all evened out now. It's all quite. And did you did you in, in sort of try and uh, in sort of ingratiate yourself into the into the kind of Croat society? Um, um. Because again, I guess that's something you wouldn't have experienced before either, would you? Because if you grew up in a country town from that from that kind of background but never really experiencing the culture yeah exactly so i we had a culture in the country but not to the degree like the high school uh sorry the when i went to university like the croats that were my age were listening to croatian music right it's not what I grew up with. You know, mm. I grew up with the grunge era. I was listening to Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and yeah. Tool. And these guys weren't, you know. Um, they were all going, like, there was Croatian nightclubs. I've never seen that before, you know. Okay. It was a country town. It just wasn't. Yeah. 
We didn't have that. You know? Did that? Did that kind of? Did that mean anything to you? I guess because again, you're. The, I know you didn't grow up with the, knowing much about the culture, but uh, no, to, no, to we, then involve yourself and in, immerse yourself in some way in 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 your in that culture. Did that? Did you? Did that come across to you to do that? Well, so I did like it the culture did remain in the family. So I, I grew up speaking Croatian. I right. know how to speak Croatian. Uh, we traveled to Croatia a lot, right. but it just, I don't know. I think by the time I got to university, I was just like, I want to just focus. I want to work. I want to make some money. Mm-hmm. I want to get my degree. I want to start life. You know, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I had to hang out with Croats mm-hmm. for the sake, because I'm Croatian, yeah. but I still like identify enough to get uh, Croatian citizenship. You know, like I have dual citizenship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I identify myself as a Croat and an Australian. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't really integrate with. No, I think I just stayed with you know my university mm-hmm. friends that were studying acupuncture at the time. Right. Okay. Mm. So let's just come back to a little bit more on the relationships. How did you? How did you? Kind of what kind of influence have relationships had on you as far as? your personality, what you've been able to achieve in life, maybe the other things that have held you back. What, how would you say relationships have impacted on that? Well, it's very interesting. It's like, I would say my parents would be the main uh, influence of relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like growing up. Uh, and then, you know, I moved out and you were kind of like left on your own. So, I mean, it's just like our family dynamic was very interesting in the sense that, mum and dad were kind of a little bit cold, you know, again, being Croatian, Mm -hmm. I don't remember them ever saying, I love you, but super supportive with, you know, like if you ever need anything or if you need money, Mm -hmm. it's fine. But then very, very similar to most ethnics. It's like, you need to graduate. Like acupuncture was not good enough. Why can't you be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant? I mean, they flipped when they're like, you're doing what you're teaching couples how to massage each other. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, like you're teaching couples how to have sex. I'm like, no, (laughs) like, why do you want to teach couples how to massage each other? I'm like, cause it's fun and it's good. Mm. You know? Um, I don't know. I, for me, I do. I'm very tactile. I think that's a big part of relationships. Like for me, touch is a love language, yep. you know? Yeah. And I give that out a lot. And I think that definitely comes from dad's side. Like dad was always the one that would, you know, hug you and hold you tight, you know? Okay, cool. that, maybe they didn't use their words, but they use their actions for mm-hmm. sure. And, and I'm that's definitely- become something again that's significant for you because your dad showed you affection through that medium, uh, mm. and now that's kind of the way that you like to maybe express yourself yeah. to other people, and you you know you feel cared for by them. Just quickly, Absolutely. love languages. If you don't know what love languages are, please go back to the uh, relationship guy episode where we do talk about love languages. There's a whole episode on them, so uh, please revisit and have a listen. Um, sorry about that. Let's just uh, get back there. So the, again, that's something you learned from your father. Yeah, I haven't put, I haven't thought much about it, but it's like we've talked a few times. Mm. And if I was ever to meet you face to face, you'd probably get hugged. You know. Oh yeah, you, you, so you could get one back. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm a dude, and I like to hug people that I like. You know. Mm. Um. So 
yeah, definitely. It's like it's funny with chatting about. I never really thought about it. I have thought about like why is it that I'm my profession is teaching couples how to massage. Like that crosses my mind a lot. Like what is it that's because it's not just by circumstance. I mean, getting to this point and getting to teaching fifty thousand couples has been hard work, mm. and there's been many times and many failures and many reasons to give up. Why do I keep? The, I think about this. Like why do I keep? pushing this why you know um and it is i think that the whole tactile thing is my it's my back it's it's what i like what i need physical touch is important yeah i think so and uh, and even if it isn't your primary love language i think you know people aren't necessarily going to be able to do this because they have an aversion to physical touch but if you can bring that into a relationship we, we briefly talked as well off air about the sensate program which is something i've used with right. couples in my relationship therapy in the past which is you know when we're not used to or get out of the habit of being physical with one another we start to implement certain stages of physicality in order mm-hmm. to rebuild or strengthen some kind of connection so i guess with the massage that's kind of exactly the same right it has the similar same benefits to that 100 like there are different stages of sensate focus Mm. like like you said like you're leading up to a point where you can be uh physically intimate with your partner and comfortable yeah Uh, and massage is one of those stages where it's like because i think with sensate focus you don't want to go from one extreme to another Mm -hmm. you know as in like no touch to let's go into yeah um yeah make it hardcore erotic because that scares people. Mm-hmm. So massage is one part of sensate focus where it's like, let's just massage for the sake of massaging, for the sake of relaxing each other, for the sake of building trust and bonding, releasing oxytocin. So yeah, it's definitely something that has been researched. Is it the Kinsey Institute that does sensate focus? I can't remember off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've researched yeah. it and started and used it. So. Same here. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 sure, but yeah, it's um, it's a, it's an interesting part of of reconnecting. Yeah, that physical yeah. touch. Do you have a? Do you know your love, love language? Have you gone into that and explored it? Yeah. So I, I, you know, I know we all have a primary. I've got a few that I think trigger me. Um, yep. So I like people to. I, I am a physical person, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, my primary is. Um, uh, making time for me showing that, quality time yeah quality time so showing that someone is uh some i think as a kid i didn't experience a lot of positive affection from as i grew up so okay. but when my parents made time for me or even as an adult when i mean they don't really come to visit me very often but when they do come to visit me it's very it kind of, it's very significant. So I think my primary love language is people that kind of show that you're a priority, that you mean something to them, which is making that quality time for you. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I, I, there's physicality. I'm not so much a words person, and that's kind of an issue that I've had in relationships in the past uh, with people that are wordy and like these words of affirmation because I'm not very a, I'm not a very wordy person. I show my affection in probably the way I like to receive it. And I've had to work on that to kind of, again, something I work with in, in my coaching is to say, okay, what we have a tendency to do is show affection in the way we like to receive it. 
Hundred percent, right? Because that's the easiest way. Yeah, and where someone else would need you to do it a different way. So for the connection of the relationship, mm-hmm. we need to consider what they prefer and shift to give them what they need, and then hopefully they'll be able to do the same in order to make you feel. Because again, I I could hug you till the cows come home, but if I'm not telling you, you're never really going to feel like I care. Yeah, if it's not your love language. Yeah. So I'm I prefer um acts of service you know mm. like uh i find love when people are doing things for me you mm-hmm. know uh and i do it in in return it's like yeah. you know i will wash your car for you here you go but if that's not your bag yeah. <laughs> there's no point in doing it so no, it's exactly. hard it's it's hard to teach yourself to get out of that it's like, yeah you know. and i think that's in my second in sort of along with physical i think that's my second it is people actually giving something of themselves i mean you know a word to me is just a word but if yep. you give me something of yourself so i think if you're physical with me if you make time for me if you give if you do something just completely out of the blue for me um, again that makes me feel actually you do really care because you're prepared to put some kind of effort into this relationship um mm. where like you said with other people that would mean nothing because it because it doesn't trigger that sense of safety security or feeling cared about um, how do you in your coaching when you're working with couples how do you help people recognize that the love language that i have is most likely not the love language that my partner needs or wants like um how do we remind ourselves to to think about them and not about us. Yeah, I think that's something that comes obviously a little bit further down the line into a relationship once you want to kind of take it to that next level because generally we're really good at putting a lot of effort in at the start and then we'll cover a lot of those bases where the love languages are. Also, we're generally a bit more forthcoming with words, touch, you know, making time for people, doing things for people because we're really invested in trying to get that person to take the next step in that relationship. Um, And I guess looking back then is saying, okay, what did you prefer as far as those things are concerned? Again, there's a lot of stuff that you've mentioned about kind of the significance of childhood um, Mm -hmm. and actually what was missing when you were a kid that you might now crave, which makes you feel cared about. What did you get a lot of as a kid, which now makes you then want more of that to, again, what was reaffirmed to you as a child and what wasn't affirmed to you as a child. So, there's lots of different things to explore as far as that is concerned. And like I said, it's about getting the layers as well. It's not just going to be one language that you, that you, that you might be, that you are comfortable with or that you really need. So. Absolutely. There's always more. Mm. Here's a question for you. Cause I've always curious about this. I've never really asked anyone. Sorry. Like I'm taking over. Yeah, that, that, we'll, we'll make it, we'll come back to you. In a second. <laughs> this is interesting. Like talking about your child and your inner child stuff. Like I hear this a lot, you know, we do stuff when we act the way because something that happened in our childhood, childhood that we liked or we didn't like, or we missed out on. So here's my question. Do we ever resolve this? Do we ever get to the point where like, we're good Our inner child or that part of our child, it's done or are we always seeking for some sort of fulfillment that we didn't get or we did get when we were a child is is it ever resolved um what what do you you think the things that you're that you might be carrying are are resolvable let's just bring this back to you before i answer the the, my professional opinion 
I don't know. Like, I, I honestly don't know. I think about it from time to time. I think my, like, I was only thinking about this this week. I think my child, my inner child or whatever we want to talk about, uh, however we want to reference it, fears rejection a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I find now as an adult, I'm like, I won't ask that cute girl out at the, at the gym mm-hmm. because she's either too pretty for me or... You know, or she's going to reject me or whatever. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm trying to work out, is that because I was, is it a childhood thing? Is it just me just being out of practice because we've been in a lockdown? Because Melbourne was locked down for two years, you know? Mm. Like, yeah, no, no. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know, you know? Um, um, I, I mean, would, would you have done it before lockdown? I mean, would you have done it before you met um, your, ex, your ex-wife? Would you have been that kind of person that would have approached regardless of what response you got? I think I would have. I think I was when I was younger. There was less to lose. I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So again, maybe the, then there's that. That's something that's built up over time. But it's yeah. maybe again because we do find that as we get older, these triggers can actually get worse when we get to a certain age because there's years and years of it not being resolved. Right. So yeah. then maybe with the lockdown happening, maybe with your divorce happening this has now become something which you did experience child, which has resurfaced. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, in my personal and professional opinion, yes, there are definitely things you can change. Yeah. They may not necessarily disappear completely because they're there. They are a hardwired part of your brain. Um, so therefore when certain things do happen, if you've, if you've hardwired a specific pattern as a child, then that will still fire off as an adult but what we have is is the ability to make an alternative connection so that we go okay i don't need to feel like this anymore because and you have that understanding of what your trigger might be and i now do it a a different way um again depending on whether you've been in lockdown for two years or you've been through an emotional (laughs) experience like a divorce or something similar or a loss in some way all of these things can play a factor in how resilient you are to your past stuff and whether you allow it to take over or whether you don't um but yes it definitely can be changed if not necessarily got rid of completely well i'm working on it i started chatting i chatted to a girl today at the gym a cute one but uh i definitely i think uh the divorce plus lockdown like lockdown was mental in Mm. melbourne uh and turned me introverted and i'm not an introverted person. I completely concur that that's exactly what happened with me. And we were only in lockdown for three or four months at a time. Yeah. But I got right. used to my own space and I got mm. used to being away and not socializing. And, and yeah, it definitely same sort of impact. It, it introverted a lot of the introversions that I might have had. You know, I, I've always enjoyed my own space and my own time sure. and, like, and, and needed that too. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think over lockdown, that really kind of extended that to, can I be bothered to actually to spend any time with people? I uh, know, I know. I bet there's millions of people that feel exactly the same. Mm. You know, like I think lockdown has just been so devastating for a lot of a lot of people with mental mental health issues. Yeah. And, as a, and as a society, I think, until we start to relax again within ourselves and maybe become one again this might have brought out a more natural side of people i know some introverts that have loved 
lockdown yeah. because they have, haven't had to do the things that they didn't really want to do, which they felt they had to do in, in under normal circumstances. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's given them some kind of empowerment as well to say, actually, no, I don't need to be something I'm not. I don't need to conform to what I think is, is normal for people because it doesn't suit me. So I think in some ways it has helped some people, but you know, as, as a more of a balanced introvert, extrovert type person, I think it did send me in sort of more of an introvert space. I think that's done that to a lot of people. I remember when I went out for the first time <sighs> after lockdown, I met a friend for lunch. And yeah. She was almost having some kind of anxiety attack. Really? You were or they were? Was, yeah. Because right. it was the first time she'd been out in a crowd bigger than her bubble of a oh. family in, wow. in what, six months maybe. So, yeah. You know, it was a very interesting experience to to see how it had affected them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, kind of, I think I was, I just kind of went back into that. You know, things are normal. Um, yep. You know, I'm just want to go out for lunch, and and I computed that as a normal experience. But you know, some people have going to really struggle to get back out into the into society and, and live as they maybe did before. If again, that's their preferred way of doing it. You know, lockdown, uh, I saw a significant jump in numbers of couples that started massaging each other. Mm, I think that was an amazing thing to bring into the home. Yeah, I I think about it. Like, uh, it it would have been amazing. And I think about, like, the triggers that would have made people go, am I doing this because I need connection? Am Mm. I doing it because I'm bored? I've watched all of Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I want to do something else. Uh, I haven't actually asked my audience yet. I really should send out an email and say, what was it during lockdown that made you want to connect with your partner? I think that time you spend, you know, again, I've spoken to a lot of people since lockdown about the reconnection with somebody. You know, mostly I work with single people, so it's a lot of, I haven't had that connection during lockdown. I haven't been able to socialize. I've been able to go to work and I've actually really mm-hmm. realized that I want to be connected with someone at a deeper level in a romantic um, capacity. But I think also there would have been people that went through life doing normal things. And then all of a sudden they couldn't do these things anymore. They were thrown together in this little space where they had to spend a lot of time together. So I'm, I would have thought that maybe that would have had something to do with, okay, how are we going to, spend out how are we going to be close in this relationship now that we've got so much time together i think your massage course would have been something that would have sparked a lot of you know oh this is a really this is going to bring us closer together this is something we can do together this is a way of connecting we've actually now got the time to spend Mm. on one another which we might not Mm. necessarily have had before absolutely like absolutely would have not had before you know but we where you can go through a marriage (laughs) And time will just go by and you'd be like, well, we just did the same thing every day for 10 years, you know, very easily just let it all slip by Mm -hmm. and not take time out to say, hey, you know, this weekend, I want to spend an hour working on a love language. I want to spend an hour working on a massage, you know, Mm -hmm. or even 20 minutes where there's nothing else, but it's something for you or something for me. Or even just cooking together. It's like, Mm -hmm. I just want, I want to do something that we haven't done for a while. Yeah. And actually, uh, this is something I didn't tell you. So before Melt, I was testing out a website, which was for couples mm-hmm. that uh, my ex and I were, were doing. It was called $30 Date Night. And it was a whole bunch of okay. date ideas for $30 yeah. or less. Mm. And so for a good five years, we would date each other every week. 
and you could not spend more than $30. Okay. Um, and some fascinating, fun things mm. like we had to do. You had to get really creative because $30 is not a lot of money. No. Um, but it really made things fun and get out of the mundane and have to try new, exciting things. Mm. Like I think that's, um, that's the next, your next course or your next book or something, whatever. That's, uh, I think that would be an amazing thing to put out to the, to the world so give those people them ideas. Yeah, so when I worked with couples in the past as a therapist, yeah. um, it was one of those things that used to come up a fair bit is what do we do? Mm. You know, how do we increase our time together? What kind of, and, and people would be quite you know, difficult to think of ideas. It was either go out for a meal or yeah. not, not much else, you know, or go for a drink somewhere. Um, well, mate, so- this is exactly the whole point. Like we found that we would gravitate to the same date ideas all the time mm. and we're just like no we need to find out ways to keep it exciting to keep it new and fresh yeah and it's really really hard always i would say easily 99 of couples of the listeners here will do the same date night on a regular basis just because we know what it's what i mean we do the same thing with watching movies we will Go, we'd rather watch a movie that we've seen before. We'd rather rewatch that than go and try something new because mm. we don't know what to expect with something new. What if it's a rubbish movie? Mm. You know, if that, we go that, to the I one think that, that again, like, that shows a difference in like the personalities of people as well, doesn't it? Is whether you're a, a go to person, like move towards person, or whether you're a, a, a move away from person. And most people, uh, when I say that, I mean, it's do we move towards pleasure or do we try to avoid pain? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think the people, a majority of people are the people that try to avoid pain. So watching the same movie, doing the same thing, doing something that they know um, keeps them in a space where there is an avoidance of possible pain from yeah. it. Whereas I'm a go towards person, so I'd much rather watch a new movie Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I really struggle with Netflix and things like that because I'm going through, oh, I've seen that, I don't know, really, I've seen that kind of genre before. I want right. something new and exciting. I'm the same with my music when I'm on Spotify and I'm like, oh, no, I've heard that loads of times before or oh, that's a very similar sort of thing to what I've listened to. Where's something new? Um, mm. So I, I really like to experience that new stuff. And I think, again, it depends on where you are of your personality, but <clears throat> that's some of the work, I, again, we, that I do with the coaches, trying to get people to say, okay, we don't need to necessarily stay in this space where we're just motivated to avoid the possibility of pain, but mm-hmm. actually take a chance on experiencing something new and pleasurable and moving ourselves in a different direction um, well, this, so that we can experience e- something like that. <clears throat> this is exactly what I found with the, uh, the dead ideas stuff. It's like mm-hmm. the, and personally, the ones that I've experienced were, the dead ideas that were the stupidest were the dumbest ones mm-hmm. where I had zero expectations, but pushed me so far out of my comfort circle. But there was this one dead idea where it was called laughing yoga. And you went into the, the center of Melbourne with a group that was free as well. It was just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of randoms and we'd force ourselves to laugh with each other mm-hmm. or at each other. Like we'd pull stupid faces yeah. And you'd end up laughing. Uh, you'd ha- have to force a laugh, but it ended up being so silly that it turned funny. And by the end of it, there was just this liberating. And the mm. whole 
all of Melbourne was watching you. There was 30 of us all just laughing like idiots. Yeah. And people would stop to look. Uh, we okay. ended up so just like an open air thing as well then. Yeah. yeah. Like we it really pushed you out of your comfort mm. circle and it was incredible. Mm. Like I hated it to begin with. Yeah. But the end at the end of it, we're all <clears throat> hugging each other. It's like, thank you for the experience. Mm-hmm. And then I never see these people again. Yeah. Yeah. But these are the stuff that you remember. And uh, massage is the same sort of thing. Like you go in not having any expectations. And yeah. then, you know, you find a connection. You just have a little snippet of connection with your partner. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. Or your massage turns into some wild sex. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, we haven't had that before, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so new, new experiences, I think, are the key uh in in keeping relationships fun yeah and i guess with your program you you kind of go through those stages of getting people into getting more comfortable with doing that as a as a as a as an experience well my so the the program's actually a lot of science has gone into it right mm-hmm. so a lot of thought has gone into how i teach couples massage yeah. so for for instance the first the average video or class duration is four minutes. That's it, right? Yeah. Because humans have got terrible attention spans. Yeah. And my, I don't want you to stay sitting with my videos for 45 minutes. Like, who wants to do that? It's like, mm-hmm. no, here's a tutorial. It takes around about four minutes. Some go to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you want to go to the next tutorial afterwards, you can. If you, if you just want to stay with four minutes and then your partner gives you a four-minute massage, you know, like that's good enough for one night to have a bit of a, you know, and tomorrow night you might do it again and again and again. But the so the first course, though, is the first course is designed for you to be able to get it done, like finish a massage within 30 minutes. Okay. And most couples will do that. So within mm-hmm. the first course, you'll get your first massage in. It's just a couple of techniques. Feels amazing. Mm-hmm. Then your partner massages you. And then after that, uh, you take your time. The, the classes get harder. The techniques get more difficult. We start looking for knots, areas of tension. I'll show you how to use your thumbs, how to use your hands effectively so your hands don't get tired. Um, I'll show you all the nice places on your partner's body that feels good. And this stuff takes time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That sounds amazing. I think I might have to, uh, might have to look at one of your videos because one of my, one of my excuses for not doing massaging is because my hands get really sore. Oh mate, I got you. You're going to love it. It's uh massage is really easy. I mean, mm. it's really easy when someone shows you what to do. Like when it, and when it's like literally press play, just copy what I don't even think, just yeah. copy what I do. You know, you don't have to think about the muscles, just literally follow my hands mm-hmm. uh, and you get to play with your partner's muscles. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think we often massage early on when we're younger you know, when we're in our early 20s or even late teens. Get the oil out. (laughs) Yeah, we get the oil out. Your girl's, you know, your girl's like, hey, I want you to massage me. And you're like, how how hard is it really going to be? Yeah. And without any training, it is kind of, it's a little awkward. Mm. You don't know what you're doing. Most, most people tell me, 
I get bored within a few seconds. I'm doing the same thing. I'm mm. using my thumbs a lot. My thumbs hurt. Mm. But with a little bit of guidance, it's really not difficult at all. So, yeah. yeah, just a little bit of finesse. Yeah, yeah. And I do it with when you like me. I, I used to be an athlete, and my massages were elbows and and knees. <laughs> so I don't, yeah, I have to remember not to do that to somebody else. <laughs> Jackhammers. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely they're kind of nice though like oh they're nice for the right for that for that reason but they're not very yeah. uh they're not very sensual and um, not very don't, don't make a huge connection it's too busy like oh my god there are some people that really really like it hard mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there are some partners that are like you you know you need to really lean into me yeah um but you're right majority of people are like just just turn it down a little bit love yeah, and I guess mm-hmm. it depends on what you're trying to get from the massage. If you're, you're kind of creating connection and just being with each other in that space and, you know, some, some, that's, that's a much nicer, relaxing um, space. And, again, that's something I've had to kind of remember that, you know, massaging can be relaxing and yeah. and sensual and soothing it doesn't necessarily have to be to get those massive knots out of your hamstrings or whatever yeah. else that you might be might be Man, using it for i've got you i've got some <clears throat> techniques for it that deals with this like i've, I've seen it all i've, I've <clears throat> taught so many couples uh i've seen so even before uh i went and filmed the videos <clears throat> it was eight years of live workshops and sold out work like the last probably four, three years were sold out. So I saw everybody come to the door, all different shapes, sizes, people, mm. some guys, one dude had these fingers that were like tree trunks <laughs> <laughs> and his wife was this petite, tiny little thing. Yeah. So having to work with him and give him ideas of how not to like break her in half, mm-hmm. we literally just pick her up and tear her apart. Yeah. And as guys, we do tend to do exactly that. It's like, just yeah. go in as deep as possible. Like we think a bit like a love languages, right? Like as a guy, you think, well, I know where it feels good on me and mm. I like it when someone goes in really deep and then you, you do it on your partner like that. Mm-hmm. And if she's little, yeah. you know, she's just like, don't ever massage me again. <laughs> yeah. you know? So I've got ways to fix that. It's all in the course. It sounds amazing. So I'll definitely be able to look at a bit more of that. Um, so before we finish today, first of all, please do let us know when the book comes out about dating tips. That would be great. <laughs> um, what to do on a date under $30. Um, but before we disappear, can you tell people if they want to learn more about you, how they can get in touch, um, how they can do that? Sure, absolutely. So uh, <clears throat> the website's called couplesmassagecourses.com. Uh, or even if you just want to Google Dennis Couples Massage, I'm all over Google, mm. you know. It's pretty yeah. easy. Yeah, I found you very easily when we first connected a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. Um, just putting some stuff to put your name in and it came up straight away. So you are very easy to find, which is good. It's pretty um, easy. I like the, the tagline is like melt massage for couples. That's also easy to find. It's all about making your partner melt you know mm, so great just, yeah, all that stuff is pretty just google that you'll find me quite easily same thing with the socials like instagram yeah and all that it says melt couples massage awesome thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and getting your take on relationships um, i had a blast thanks yeah. for having me it was you're good very, fun. very welcome 
Uh, and maybe we'll we'll revisit this another time, especially if that book does come out. <laughs> <laughs> so just so your listeners know, there is no book. <laughs> no book is coming out. Yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a few people are saying there's, I mean, this I got stories, John. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll do this again. There's lots of, lots of mm-hmm. good stuff. Great. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks again. I'm sure the listeners have found this very insightful and interesting. And uh, I can speak to you again soon. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, follow and review the show. That is very much appreciated. And please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy, intimate relationships in your life. I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.